Hello and welcome to the Leaders' Council podcast with me, Joshua Jackson. This podcast, just like the Leaders' Council itself, is all about recognising and celebrating the people who keep this great country running. We exist to give leaders a voice outside of their own organisations and to support them in the same way they support their staff every single day of the week. If you are in a leadership position yourself and would like to have your voice heard on the national stage, please go to leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash apply. Each week on this programme, I'm joined by a different leadership figure from the world of business, education, politics, sports, or even from local communities in the aim of truly discovering who those people are that get up every morning and make this country work. We get their take on the current economic and political landscape of the UK and discuss everything from national insurance rises to physical fitness and, of course, the success and the innovation that makes it all worthwhile in the end. On today's programme, I'm delighted to be joined by Tony and Sean Buchanan, co-founders of Absolute Performance. Tony, Sean, welcome onto the show. Thank you, thank you. No, it's great to, uh, to have you both here. It's, as I say, it's unusual um, to be having two people on, but um, considering you're both co-founders of a, a great organisation and you've got very different roles um, within the organisation, that uh, we thought it'd be great to, to be able to hear from both of you. And, um, you know, given the, the sort of challenges of the last 18 months, you know, it would be sort of remiss of us not to start on on COVID and the business interruption, especially for an organisation that works within the uh, you know the fitness world, um, providing gym equipment and and servicing, uh, providing sort of design platforms and equipment, and having a, a fantastic blog as well. Um, but uh, you know, Tony is uh, sort of you know officially titled of, of managing director. Um, how has everything been? Ah, good, good question. I think. Uh as everybody's experienced the 18 months, it's been a it's been a, an interesting time to say the least. Um, I'll, I'll quite happily say that if there was a rule book of what not to do at the start of a global pandemic, we did every single one. Basically, more staff, more stock, uh, new premises, uh, et cetera, et cetera. We we were flying as a company, then all of a sudden we heard about COVID uh, hitting. We thought, well, it's not going to really impact us, but obviously as the weeks went on and and we were digging deeper into our pockets to fund the new premises, like I said, uh, the, the more staff, more stock, big projects that we had on the go. It, it became quite uh, eye-opening to begin with. What, what, how would you impact it? And really, every day was a different day. Every day was a different story of trying to understand where we could get help, where we could get uh, advice, where we could get additional funding. It was, it was a shock horror to begin with but gradually we worked our way through it and so not trying to give an end to my answer but we worked our way through it and uh, we've come out on the side a, a much better company in my, in my eyes so um so yeah it was an interesting time that really does sound like uh, you know a bit of a challenge new staff new premises more stock um, very much not the uh, uh, the position you want to find yourself in just as a, a sort of shutdown you know happens and you know Sean, obviously, a lot of what you've been doing is, um, you know, sort of marketing, getting the message out there for the companies over the last, um, you know, 
couple of decades really and and that's was your your focus before um you know jumping in and before you both co-founded the organization and did you find that um you know your messaging was there were you able to sort of pivot into you know new styles of of work and um you know how did you sort of you know get through that initial period um i think that um the first thing that we saw was um an instant take-up of consumer um sales which is not an area that we had focused on previously um so we were seeing people buying gym equipment to work out at home and all of a sudden you know we were thrown into this world of picking and packing one kettlebell here um you know a set of dumbbells there and getting all this stuff sent out to everybody as fast as possible um, so we kind of focused initially on just pushing the, the web sales and the consumer sales. Um, I guess arguably when it comes to marketing absolute performance, we had actually rebranded um, two years, Tony, I can't remember exactly when it was now, 2018 actually, three yeah. years ago now. Um, and you know, we were still working quite hard to um, you know, place the brand and get ourselves out there as a new sort of look at absolute performance um, so it was quite a challenging time um, to be hit by covid and to suddenly kind of have the mats pulled from under our feet to be perfectly honest um, but i think we've just stayed very true to ourselves very true to who we were as a business pre-covid um, and we dug very 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 deep and i think going back to some of the things that tony said as a business we dug so deep through COVID, we really, really challenged ourselves, individuals, business owners, to say, are we doing this right? We've got an opportunity here to make sure that we don't come out of this and and crumble, because ultimately a lot of businesses will have done that. So we took a, an opportunity to step back from the business and say, how do we want to be when we come out of COVID? Um, so from a marketing perspective, I would honestly say probably not a huge amount has changed um, because we are who we are and who we were before COVID. But I think as a business and how we operate um, and what we look like internally, where we operate from, Tony talked about new offices, new premises, you know, we have changed significantly. COVID has driven a lot of that change. COVID has been the, the instigator, if you like, of, of regrouping our structure, thinking about do we need all these people? How can we operate more efficiently? Um, and and, and you know, really reshaping the business. So with the, you know, it's easy to say now. So, that sorry, uh, Joshua, can, can, can I just jump in and add a little bit of additional context which you may or may not be aware of? About four to five weeks before COVID became a global issue, we were also hit in South Wales with very heavy flooding. And unfortunately, one of our warehouses uh, was flooded. So we had that additional issue, literally just prior to COVID of working that out. And that, and that obviously impacted a little bit on what Sean was saying about the packaging of many different items, whatever. Mm-hmm. I was also booked on a flight in March to go to Tokyo with uh, the British Olympic Association, the biggest project that we've ever worked on. Um, involving you know a significant amount of equipment to provide all the training camps for Team GB. Um, obviously, very topical because obviously the Olympics have just gone ahead. And I got a phone call at 11 o'clock at night telling me not to bother coming. There's issues in Tokyo with COVID and there could be a grave risk for the Olympics. 
And all I could think about was we had eight 40-foot containers of equipment packed, ready to go from around the world to Tokyo. So at that point, at 11 o'clock at night, I don't think I've ever been as frightened in my life about the, the longevity of our, of our business. I can imagine that was a, a whole extra level of, of stress that um, you you very much didn't need amongst everything else that was going on. So that's so far we've got we've got flooding, we've got new staff, new warehouses, COVIDs just appearing, then COVID impacting on your you know Olympic preparations, then COVID shutting down the economy in the UK. What an incredible series of unfortunate events that have hit you there, and what a you know testament to the fact that you're still here and you know you're you're thriving in many respects and uh, you know doing such a good job especially as you say with the olympics has gone ahead having to having fulfilled that um you know that that goal and um you know that sort of contract as well so uh, uh, for me you know just even we've just started very well done um but uh, Thank you. with the um you know sort of benefit of hindsight um you know you're looking back were there any you know, decisions that you made that, you know, you thought were really good or equally, did you think, did you know, did you panic a little bit? Was there the moments where you made some rash decisions that you really wish you hadn't rather done, um, you know, in that sort of March to, to April period? Mm. I would I would say, um, you know, if, if you look back um, and did we panic? Um, yes. If I was brutally honest, at, at first, yes, we did panic. And probably like an awful lot of business owners, I can remember being in Stratford upon Avon with friends, having dinner on the, the weekend before everything shut down. And we were sat there saying, crikey, one person saying, my husband just lost his job because he's a pilot. Another one saying, I just lost my job because I'm contracting and they just closed my contract off completely. And I'm sitting there thinking, my goodness me, right, well, if I can go back and I can try and fund something through a mortgage holiday and if we put this money there and if we do this, then we might be able to keep the business going for a month. You know, it, it, it was that kind of conversation or two months. And it was absolutely terrifying. Um, you know, and, and we did at first panic a little bit. I think when they announced the furlough scheme, um, and so, you know, the sleepless nights were slightly sort of less frequent as they had been to the week prior to them announcing the furlough scheme. Um, but we did make some, some very considered decisions. We had a few members of staff that had handed in notices prior to um, COVID who said, well, we'd like to stay on now. And we said, sorry, no, that, that's not in the spirit of the furlough scheme. You've made your decision um, and we have to make some tough decisions that yeah, you, you you have to go. We, we we're not going to carry carry you on through through an, a certainly a very uncertain period of time. Um, so we, we can't do that. Um, and I think that um, we also made some very considered decisions with regards to our um, sales team. We knew we had to exit COVID whenever exiting COVID has happened or is happening or will happen. Um, we knew that we had to have a strong sales team. Um, and so we've actually just taken on board a new sales manager for the north of England and Scotland on the, I think he joined us on the 3rd of March. So he didn't fall into the furlough scheme, but we continued to pay him throughout the, the COVID, the initial COVID period, the first lockdown. Um, and that was probably one of the best considered decisions that we've made. And when you look back through the fog of all the decision making, the restructuring I've talked about, 
um, the decisions to keep certain people on, the decisions to keep not keep other people on, and in actual fact, like many small business owners, having to make redundancies, never pleasant. You know, it, it, when you're a small team of 15 people and suddenly, you know, you've become a team of 11 um, and you're having to make redundancies to get that, that's tough. It's emotionally tough um, on, on all of us. Um, because it affects everybody in the team and it makes people feel very uncertain about where they stand. Um, but, but we did make some, some good decisions, I believe, um, now when we look back. Um, and we did panic at the same time. I know that sounds mm. crazy. Um, but I don't think, you know, you'd have to be pretty cool and hard um, to have not thought, heck, what's going to happen to me? Um, you know, what's going to happen to our business? You know, there's so much is resting on it, um, and it was heartbreaking at first because we just we worked in this for 12, 13 years, and potentially overnight it's gone. Um, but I really feel that when we stepped aside and when we did get some of the financial support that was on offer from the government, then we were able to start really stepping back and saying, "This is what we need for our business," and, and they all laugh at me, and I will use the phrase. We keep saying it, we had to exit COVID mm. leaner, bitter and stronger. And and that was that was our mantra, it's been my mantra um, for eighteen months up now, that we have to be leaner, fitter and stronger as a business. And it really made us focus. So in a way, sometimes we look back and we think, aside of all the things that COVID has brought to the to the nation, it's actually probably been one of the best things that's happened to us as a business. That's a, an interesting way that, um, you know, being able to take that step back and, you know, realise that, you know what, certain things had got, you know, a little bit, uh, a little bit fat, um, you know, in certain processes in the company. And a lot of business leaders took that, you know, they were able to trim down, make themselves more efficient. But at the same time, it a lot of, you know, people have had to change the way that they've dealt with staff. They've had to adapt their own sort of styles of, of business running, leadership. Um, you know, it's not just uh, the business that's struggling sometimes. It's the individual leaders that are doing it with all of the pressures, as you say. It's not just for you turning up and taking your wage. It's you're the drivers, both of you, for the business, pushing forwards, making sure that there's a plan and that people can be looked after. And so, Tony, do you think that your um, you know leadership style was changed has changed throughout this period? Do you think that there was enough support for you? And could you sort of lean on each other at times? Yeah, I think to say that no one's been impacted of what's happened in the last 18 months would be lying to themselves. I mean, obviously, we've all had to look at what we're doing, how we're doing it, uh, everything about it. We've, as Sean rightly said, we've, we've stripped everything back within the company. It went back to, you know, we put everybody on furlough apart from myself, pretty much. Um, you know, I learned a lot about myself in that, you know, that three to four months where it was just pretty much me running the company. Uh, obviously, with, with people like Sean in the background helping me out, um, you, you do dwell on things and think how you can do things better. Um, we've always been, uh, since day one, I would say we're not your typical entrepreneurs. We, we don't take many risks. We funded this pretty much pound by pound ourselves. We have very little um, outside borrowing. Um, so to all of a sudden have to think about doing paperwork for the the government COVID assistance loans or whatever they were called, you know, and, and other items of support was, was, was something that I'd never dreamed of. 
uh, and something we've always, always stayed away from because we always felt them quite difficult to. It was it was not worth my time to go through paper to try and get a few thousand pounds here and there. But obviously, with what was going on with COVID and pretty much the whole of the fitness industry closed down, we had to do try and do something to save our business. So we learned a lot of things about the company, and more importantly, ourselves. I'm a, you know I I won't lie. Um, it, it, it impacted everybody. It impacted me. It impacted my relationship with my wife, Sean. Uh, it would, how, how would it not do? Um, because from, from day to day, we're worrying about uh, are we going to have a job? Are we going to have a roof over our heads um, next week or the week after or the week after? But we fought hard. Um, and as Sean said, we've come to Lena Mina. We've taken probably more advice in the last 12 to 18 months than we have done cumulatively um, uh, you know, in, the, in the 13 years before that. Some of the advice wasn't great, but a lot of it was. Um, uh, and we've learned a lot of things that we've put into practice for the, for the next coming 5, 10, 15 years. And, you know, looking I think, up, can I, can I just add to that? Sorry. Carry on. Mm. So, well, I, just, I, I was just going to say, you know, you, you know, you talk about um, supporting each other. And, you know, Tony and I have, have a daughter. When COVID first hit, like many other parents, I had you know, a child of year six um, who needed homeschooling. Um, and all of a sudden, you know, you're being thrown into what on earth is happening with our business? Is it going to survive? Like Tony said, trying to tread through um, the quagmire of, of information on furlough schemes and, and um, C-bill loans, all these things. And at the same time, try and be supportive um, to a child who doesn't know what's happening. You know, this is all quite scary and, you know, we're not at school anymore and Actually, I don't like being taught by mummy because she's not very good at teaching. <laughs> and thankfully, I'm not planning on being a teacher, as I know a lot of parents feel. Um, so, uh, you know, one thing I would say is if you could look back and you could say anything about us as leaders, the word resilience has to come out time and time and time again. You know, we have had to be so resilient. And I, and I say that from a business perspective and a personal perspective because we were also challenged with a number of other things throughout that certainly that first eight months um you know i won't go into them all but we really were challenged so to be resilient um was absolutely critical and somehow we dug deep and we were resilient um and, and we were supported so as a business we look to um surround ourselves because as leaders you know I might have a marketing background, Tony has a sales background. I don't have an HR background. Um, you know, I don't necessarily have an operations background. But there are so many things you learn as you grow your business. Um, and what we've learned is it's really critical to support ourselves with people um, and other businesses that can provide the right support at the right time. Um, so we have, you know, HR advice that we, we um, buy into monthly um, and support there, so that's on, on tap, so it's insured, we, we feel comfortable there for following the procedures. We have a virtual board of directors to ensure that we don't get carried away and, and that we get challenged to um, say, well, why are we doing something? And most importantly, that virtual board of directors was an incredible sounding board throughout the whole of COVID. Um, so that, you know, that, that the external consultants that we, that we have used have been, you know, absolutely critical in sometimes just saying you guys are doing a great job don't forget that because it's very easy to forget it when it's just the two of you 
um, immersed in it day in, day out. Um, so, so leadership style and who we are has morphed, I think, dramatically in the last 18 months. I think that's a really interesting point there. Um, it's not something that I'd heard previously of appointing a, a virtual board of directors. Um, you know, I've had business leaders come on and talk about how they've made sort of, you know, networking groups or, um, you know, little, how made sure they've had conversations with their partners in their industry and, and whatnot. But that's a, a really interesting idea to be able to have that sound of without necessarily having them, you know, continuously within the business, still allowing you that free reign. So um, yeah, it's definitely yeah. something I'll, uh, I'll be passing on. Um, to, to sort of future listeners and, 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 and people that come on the show. Um, that's a really interesting idea. But, you know, when, you know, within the industry that, that you work in, you know, there was a period of open, there was a period of close, there was another period of open. And then, you know, over the Christmas period, again, gyms were shut down. They were seen as hotbeds of, um, of transmission. The, you know, leisure centers have struggled. They've gone out of business. Gym chains have been, um, you know, putting themselves into huge amounts of debt over this amount of time. Did you find that you had the partnerships there that you needed from a business perspective? Did people manage to survive around you or were they all panicking as well? Uh, I, I think um, everybody was panicking because, they, I mean, you know, whether this is a political or a non-political conversation, obviously COVID was hit and it, it never hit before. So everybody's learning on a day-to-day basis seem like the rules and regulations were changing every day or there were new ones coming in, that sort of thing. So we were all trying to understand where we sat exactly in the fitness industry, which is obviously a very large industry. We're fortunate that we, you know, we, we, uh, we, we call ourselves a project company as in like we go from one project to the next project, um, whether that be the Olympics or whether that be a school gym or whatever. A lot of the projects, we were working on were long-term projects and they were never going to go away and they're, they're still happening now. But obviously our day-to-day business of, of a gym that was ready for a refit didn't happen. Um, we were, we have quite a large military, um, um, a, 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 a military business, should I say, where we do a lot of work with all the bases around the UK. And obviously that sort of stopped for a while. Then they realized they needed to get it done to keep the, the troops fit, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So that sort of continued on the background, which, which was helpful. But we also had to worry about how do we get the stuff there? Because if we furlough down in install engineers, how do we get the kit to site? So it was, it was an interesting scenario that we had to contact our clients on, our, on our, literally on a day-to-day basis. Are you open? If you are open, are you prepared to accept us on the site? If you are prepared to accept us on the site, can you assist us with, I don't know, accommodation? Because some hotels might in the area may not be open. Mm-hmm. So therefore, we've got to worry about where we're going to put the engineers. So sometimes they slept on site like a military site. Um, sometimes they had to go long distance there back in the same day. So we had to adapt every day based on what we were getting the feedback from our clients. Um, some people were very open to continuing the project, some people were unsure, like ourselves. Some people flatly refused to say, no, this is on hold until this has all gone away. So it literally was a communication um, exercise every day, finding out what we needed to do. I can imagine that uh, you know so much, so many logistical challenges there, and you know that's another another thing that you know, but both will no doubt have learned and um, you know got more involved with over this course. Uh, you know all the things that you didn't think about because they were previously you know quite easy and quite simple. But you know there's something I, I do want to 
just go into in a little bit more detail and um you know it's it's just happened we you know got delayed by a year and um you know you provided a lot of equipment and um you know specialist equipment specialist placing for uh, team gb and so how did that come about and you know how's what's been the feedback uh, I, I guess I'll pick up this one, but um, we were um, obviously uh, very fortunate and, and, and proud to have worked with Team GB or the British Olympic Association um, in Rio, uh, and that was a, a large project coming after the uh, 2012 Games in London. Um, so about two and a half years ago, we were approached by Team GB again to look at the possibility of putting together uh, three training sites um, within uh, Tokyo for the Team GB squad. Uh, preparations camp and a, uh, a, another camp, a performance camp um, at three different venues, a stadium, a school, and a university. Um, basically to give them a, a home from home, so to speak, so they could carry on training when they're out there, both for the, the Team GB athletes and the Paralympians. So we were immensely proud that we were awarded that contract and like I said, it was a significant contract for us, eight containers worth, you know, a significant amount of money. Uh, obviously, not just worry about it being cancelled, but obviously when when it got cancelled or postponed, we had to worry about where we were going to put all that equipment because a lot of the equipment was branded with mm-hmm. Team GB. And so we couldn't exactly resell it and get it back again. We had to keep it. So we had a logistical nightmare of storing it for, um, you know, well over a year. Uh but fortunately, we got the go-ahead um, earlier this year that everything was going to go ahead. So we started the preparation uh, machine working again, and we worked very closely. It's a lot more, a lot more closely than we did at Rio. Um, literally, we were having conference calls, uh, meetings with or virtual meetings with uh, the Team GB staff about how it was going to go ahead. And then obviously we then started getting dates of how to get out there and what we're going to do. We had to fly, obviously our engineers were going to go out there. So we had to think about not just um, the process of installing the kit, but the what, what was going to be the COVID aspect when we went to Tokyo, what tests did we need before we went, what tests did we need when we were there, what tests did we need when we got back, what, what were all the protocols. Um, but yeah, it's, it's literally the last, team of engineers came back uh, last weekend. Uh, we've had three visits out there regarding the initial setup and then the breakdown afterwards um, leading up to the end of the Paralympics. Uh, and the feedback is that it was a, 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 a mitigated success and we're extremely proud of, of how that came about and we've become quite close with the, the people we work with in Team GB and it was an honour. I mean, yes, it was a, a business proposition as well, but it was an honour to be doing it. And uh, I think at the, uh, you know, without being too emotional, I think the country probably needed that. I mean, we were such a small part in what happened, but to have such great results and such great performances, it was just, we have to be proud of our, our very small part of helping with that. And it was such a, a great Olympics as well. You say something that uh, people were looking forward to and that sort of did uh, give everybody something else to focus on, especially after... Uh, the the football results over the summer as well and you know looking at both the olympics and paralympics medal hall um i'm sure that that gym uh, you know came in very handy um you know very much in the yeah. in the results as well but um you know sort of looking now forwards you know a little bit into the future let's get out the the crystal ball um 
How are you both sort of seeing things for the next 12 months? Have you got anything through the pipeline that's coming up? Were you thinking that it's going to be, you know, back to plain sailing, really? Um, you know, Sean, what's, uh, what are your thoughts? Um, well, I think from my perspective, I'll let, I'll let Tony talk about sort of sales and, and perhaps, you know, that, that going forward from a sales perspective. Going forward from an operational perspective, we've, um, we've done a few things, but, but in particular, we're looking at, our sort of company culture now so i'm looking very hard at how do we make sure that the people we've got stay with us and that we actually drive the best performance out of that team um, so how do i make them fitter when i go back to my leaner fitter stronger um, analogy and, and and what do we need to do um, so i'm working very hard at the moment on on sort of culture um, and what do we need to do to drive the right culture within our business in a culture where our employees are happy to come to work, they enjoy coming to work, and as a result, they stay with us. So um, that's, that's really key that we start and ensure that we keep people and the right people within the business. Um, so for us now, having made the decisions that we made about the business and, and, and streamlining the business and the, and the, and the headcount, um, what we want to do now is make sure that having gone through all that effort, um, and changing the way that we recruit people because again and that was something we worked really hard on are we recruiting the right people in our business have we got to rethink that um, and now we're saying how do we make sure we keep them so um, we're looking at sort of employee surveys on how happy people are and we're now also about to um, enter into something called you know, writing rule books so we're allowing our employees to help us write the, the sort of culture rule book that says this is how we want to to treat each other and this is how we want to be day to day and, and this is our commitment to each other. Um, sounds a little bit sometimes for some people a bit like, ah, oh, yeah, whatever. Um, but actually, we've got a great team. Um, we've got a really supportive team. We've, we've got some really positive um, things happening uh, within our team and, and off the back of Tokyo, we're really keen to now keep going very positively. Um, and I'm really excited about you know what the next 12 months are going to bring to us operationally. Um, I'll hand over to Tony, who can talk about sales and, and where that where we go with that um, off the back of, of things like DOA. But um, very much for us at the moment, it, it's culture, and, and that drives the culture that then extends externally mm. um, to to our to our clients. So that, that that's key. Yeah, I mean, and just to add to, I mean, what you said before, and you, you touched on Joshua about mental health. We, we've we've all been affected. I think we've talked about this before, but uh, you know, we've all been affected by COVID, and we still are. I mean, it's still out there, and it's still doing whatever it's going to do. Um, and you know, I, both myself and Sean would be stupid to say that we fully understand the impact on what that's had with our staff and how they're feeling when I, we ask them to go away and how we're feeling. When it, you know, even when we sent the teams out to Japan, who were in a state of, you know, of emergency out there. I mean, okay, it wasn't quite as bad as over here when you got there, but it, you, it was still trying to work out asking people to go in potentially into harm's way, so to speak. Uh, so we, we have to be very uh, aware of that. And I think what Sean uh, and the HR guys are putting into place with with that culture setting, I think is really important uh, during and, and, and post-COVID. Uh, but going forward for the next four months, uh, currently our order books are full. Um, we've got to be happy with that. We've got some uh, a number of good projects going forward. Um, some of them just regular projects we've been working on. Some of them have been governed by COVID because people, you know, for example, need more space. 
They don't want to have 100 people in a small space training. They want to have 100 people in a bigger space training. So the, the project might get bigger. Um, you know, so some of the smaller military gyms are now becoming bigger military gyms mm-hmm. because of the potential COVID aspect. Um, so that that's still um, impacting what we're doing. But yeah, it's, it's um, we're in a good place right now. Uh, but you know, <laughs> after Brexit and then COVID, we're just saying, what's next? We want to be prepared for what happens next. Um, but it's looking good right now. Well, that's. Uh, I'd like to add to that as well. Just one thing, if I can, um, and and you know, throughout COVID, one of the things we did do, um, and we are in the process of doing, which is also something for the next twelve months, um, is we've created a sister company to Absolute Performance called the Absolute Performance Pod. So our old um, location we have turned into effectively a COVID-friendly gym. Um, and it's four mini gyms. So each each little gym is fully equipped. Um, you know, rack, bars, weights, plates, dumbbells, kettlebells, whatever is needed to to work out. Um, and each one is, is, is um, rentable by the hour. Um, and so all the all the equipment is spread out. You're two meters away from, from the other pods. So, you know, you can train. COVID safely, um, PTs can come in and train their clients. Um, we've also created rooms upstairs in the old offices where people can do beauty treatment, therapy treatment, um, and all these are spaces that are rentable safely um, by the hour, day, week, whatever. So that's a, a diversification for us that's come through COVID. And I go back to sort of saying to you, you know, sometimes we look back and think COVID probably one of the best things that happened to us. Um, because we we it, it's given us the um, the strength in a way to branch out and, and do something a little bit different. Um, so that's also going to be a focus for us for the next twelve months. Uh, so you know, getting that off the ground and getting that ticking over um, as as a subsidiary business almost. So let me get this straight. We all started um, this conversation by talking about how um, you know COVID came about, and we went back a little bit from there, and you had. You've had floods, new staff, larger warehousing, COVID hitting, business interruption, gyms opened, gyms closed. That's the problems. They're the issues that you've managed to get through. And they're the things that you've you know, come out of the other side, as you say, you know, fitter, stronger, you know, leaner. And now at the end of it, you're changing company culture, style, planning ahead for the next 12 months, opened up a sister business during this time. This is incredible leadership. It's incredible business running. It is seeing opportunities where, you know, things, opportunities may shouldn't exist. Um, You know, it's seeing the areas that, you know, business leaders can do to create new jobs, to help their community, to help people to live a better life. And, you know, what? this has been an absolutely fantastic interview hearing from both of you. Tony, Sean, you are an absolute um uh you know it's a bunch of passionate people and, and and some real you know shining stars in this this industry it's i was looking forward to this interview and um you know it very much hasn't uh, hasn't disappointed i just want to say thank you ever so much uh, for coming on and uh, it would be great to have you on in in six months or or three months just to hear how it's all changed again and um you've opened up xyz opportunities as well I look forward thank to you. it. Thank you very much indeed. It's been a, it's been a pleasure to have that as well. And it's been a good opportunity to look back. And actually sometimes it, you know, it's hard to look out. Um, but actually sometimes it is nice to say, yes, actually, you know what? It has been as bad as we all sometimes think it might have been. Brilliant. Thank you, Tony. Thank you, Sean. 
That was Tony and Sean Buchanan, co-directors at Absolute Performance. A great interview looking at some of the challenges and opportunities that have been faced by those in the fitness industry over the last 18 months. Um, I wish them all well going forward now that there's a return back to normality. And to our listeners, thank you very much for for tuning in to this week's episode of the Leaders Council podcast. I very much look forward uh, to hearing your responses to our um, guest next week. <laughs>